Greetings and welcome to my podcast. I'm Nate Regeer, CEO and co-founding owner of Next Element Consulting. We're a global training and advising company helping people spend less energy and drama and more energy producing amazing results. We certify, train, and coach healthy conflict communication skills so companies can build cultures of compassionate accountability. My podcast is where you get to meet inspiring thought leaders who are living out these principles in leadership and life. And you are in for a very special treat today. My guest today was described by the Huffington Post as the most inspirational woman in the world. Wow. Lolly Daskal is a leadership coach, consultant, facilitator, speaker, and author. She is the founder of Lead From Within, a firm offering custom-made programs in leadership and organizational development. Recognized as a top thought leader in business, an advisor to Fortune 500 CEOs and boards, and one of the top executive coaches in the world, Lolly specializes in helping executives, leadership teams reach their full potential through cohesive organizational change, strategic planning, and process transformation. Lolly is a prolific reader and author. She writes a highly popular leadership blog and has written thousands of articles and columns, speeches, and presentations. She's the author of two books, Trust, Inc., and Thoughts Spoken from the Heart. And her new book, The Leadership Gap, What Gets Between You and Your Greatness, will be released by Portfolio Publishers on May 30 of this year. Lolly and I share a passion and background in the behavioral sciences, and I'm looking forward to learning more about how this has shaped her views on leadership. I know it's influenced her new book, which we'll learn about today. Welcome to my podcast, Lolly. What an honor it is to be here today. Thank you. Lolly, your career spans over 30 years, and I could have filled our entire time sharing with my listeners all the amazing things you've done and the clients you've helped. In your own words, though, will you share a little bit about yourself and how you got into a leadership development career? So... Most people that I talk to these days say, oh, I want to be a coach. I want to be a life coach. I want to do this. I want to do that. And it didn't happen to me. It didn't happen for me that way. What happened was it happened a little bit differently. I'm a ferocious reader. I love to read. And I fell into reading books about human behavior only because I wanted to understand more about myself. And in learning more about myself... I was able to understand others, and this idea of sharing what I've learned was something that really fascinated me and excited me, and um, I was running a workshop, um, a little workshop on meditation many, many years ago about how to find your inner being, and there was someone in in the classroom or somebody in the workshop who who started to talk to me and he happened to be in the movie industry and he was like, Oh, I'm having this problem, having that problem. And we started to talk and without really knowing it as a great coach does, I started to ask open-ended questions and he felt very empowered by our conversation. He said, Oh, you have to work with me. And it just started very, very organic I was helping him, then he introduced me to someone else, then they they introduced me to someone else, and before I knew it, I was a leadership development coach, and I, it started my career. But it's not something that I woke up one morning and decided to do. Fantastic. Your company is called Lead From Within. What's behind this name? Over 30 years ago, I was going through a crisis in my life, and I remember um, just reflecting about what will get me through this crisis. And 
the only answer that came to me was this most beautiful answer. And it said, it'll only come from within. Only you can make this happen. Only you can change it. Only you can think differently. And then I said, well, I have to lead from there. And before you knew it, very organically, the idea of leading from within became my mantra. And so when I started my business, I knew that if I was going to help anyone, you know, stand in their greatness or unleash their greatness, that the message of lead from within would be a profound message for them as it was for me. And so I kept to it and it became my company's name. Wow. I, I can certainly resonate with that. This whole notion of it really starts with us and it starts from getting ourselves okay and leading ourselves first before we can work with other people. And what, what a great message. Well, thank you. You, you told me when we were talking earlier that you read a book a day. That's amazing. I think I've told about 50 people this. But I have, <laughs> I have two questions for you. First, how do you do it? And, and second, what trends or pattern are you seeing from all the things you're soaking up? So I do read a book a day. I've been doing it for 27 years, and it's become a discipline. So for most people are either at the gym, I'm usually with a book. So the hours between 4.30 and 6.30 every morning, I begin my day not with my cell phone, not with my computer, but I begin with a book. And I read it from cover to cover. And um, I try to memorize things or have takeaways from the books that I'm reading because I find that it really helps me with my clients. If I can bring a new story, a new system, a new tool, a new technique, it keeps me on top of my game, but it also gets, it's exciting for my clients. So that's, it's very important for me. It's almost like I'm in school every single day learning something new. I actually really enjoy it. And it's been something, it's been a discipline of mine, and I hope to continue it for a long, long time. Wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. What, uh, from all the reading that you do, what trends or patterns are you seeing out there? So the reason why I was, I'm very passionate about the book that I have written is, is that most of the books that I read, either on business or on leadership, they always talk about how to do things. They always talk about when to do things. They always talk about where to do things. And a few years ago, Simon Sinek made the word why this very important word. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And I saw that there was a big gap when it came into business books and leadership books. And that is about who we are being wasn't really mentioned in any business books or any leadership books. I saw them in the philosophy books. I saw them in the history books. I saw them in the psychology books that I was reading, but not in the leadership books. And so I thought, if I am going to write that leadership book, it has to be about who we are being while we are leading. Mm. Wow. And later, I, I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit more about your new book, too. And um, I'm curious, what have been some of the, inform the formative influences in your life? You know, people, experiences, mentors. What has shaped your philosophy and shaped the person that you are today? What a great question. Um, there have been three men in my life who I've never met, but they've had this profound effect on me. The first person is Viktor Frankl. The day that I picked up Man's Search for Meaning changed my life. The fact is, is that even though you go through hardships and struggles, you can find meaning in it. 
was such a profound message for me, was a game changer for who I am. And so I keep Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search of Meaning, by my bedside. And once a year on my birthday, I reread it. It's like going to an old friend's house for dinner on my birthday and reading the wisdom of what he has to say over and over and over again. The second person that really has changed my life and has been a mentor in my life was Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell really taught me that when you go into the abyss, when you go into your darkness, that's where you discover your treasures. And so when we're challenged, when we're stressed out, when we're going through a hard time, knowing that you can go through this and still find something magnificent is was just game changing again for me was was so enlightening and it really helped me and shaped me into who I am and then um I would call this one of my most favorite mentors because everything I do is based on his work is Carl Jung Carl Jung taught me about archetypes he taught me about what personas are he taught me about human behavior and it shaped if you read my book, The Leadership Gap, What Gets Between You and Your Greatness, it is truly based on Jung's work. And it's almost like um, giving him back a gift for teaching me all about his wisdom. And I've translated it into my powerful system, but it's all based on Jung's work. So between Jung, Campbell, and Frankel, these are my mentors, these are my teachers, and these are my educators. Wow, thank you. Fantastic. So I'm curious, Lolly, what is your definition of leadership? What would you say is great leadership? Great leadership is a leader that can be present, who's able to serve others and empower people to be great on their own. I truly believe that leadership presence shouldn't be a loud presence, but it should be that of a gentle warrior. It should be someone with great strength, great vision, but that people should feel that they can step up and stand out in front of that leader and the leader is not overshadowing them. Mm. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of definitions of leadership, what it is, what it isn't out there. Uh, are there any myths or misconceptions about leadership that you'd like to challenge for my audience? Well, If you look at the political climate today, leadership is not about power. Leadership is not about authority. And so what I would like to challenge everyone on this podcast today is to think about what is true leadership? If it's not about power, if it's not about authority, how will, what is the best way to show up? The best way to show up is to show up with heart is to show up about serving others, is to think about others, is to see how your actions actually impact others. Those are the greatest leaders. And leaders need to take responsibility. They need to be accountable for all that they do because they have impact. They have influence. And so I believe that true leadership must be led from the heart. Mm. How, how has this view evolved over the years? Where you're at now, um, is it any different than what you used to think? So when I first started in my business, leadership is not what it is today. Actually, it is what it is today, but it wasn't what it was four years ago. Mm. So when I first started out, leadership was about power, 
authority. It was my way or the highway. It was about manipulation. It was about greed is good. It had this very strong sense of I am the leader. Then over the years, um, I was thrown out of a lot of um, corporations and companies saying, love your people, lead from within. I was laughed at a lot for many years. But then I would say 15 years ago, the message about leading from within really came into mainstream. It actually first started in Europe. Um, I would say the Europeans were, um, they were more prone to catching on to the message. And then later on, it happened in America. But people were taking in this notion of heart-based leadership, which I teach. And it was really nice for a while. You would have big corporations saying, well, what do you, what do people think? Um, what, you know, we want you to be involved. And Lately, in the past couple, in the past, I would say in the past couple of months, I feel like we're back to 1980s a little bit where greed is good, power is power, I am the influencer. And so I just want to remind everyone that we get more from people when we validate them, we appreciate them, and we recognize them. That has always been true, and that will always be true. You know, I share your concern. I, I felt like up until a couple years ago, it seemed like we were really making progress in this heart-based leadership. And it's almost like some of our new role models have set us back a little ways. And so I appreciate what you're sharing. You know, you're, you're, you're a woman, you're a leadership expert, you're a consultant to leaders, and you've been around the block and, and seen these changes. Do you have any comments about gender differences in leadership over the years and where it is now? So... So this is a confession. I coach um, top leaders, and I would say 97% of who I coach are men. I have tried to coach women, but then I find that the women at a very high level want to be men, and I've always said that doesn't serve you. I actually sat in a panel that spoke about leadership, and most of the panel members were saying to women, don't look like women, dress a certain way, act a certain way. And I was very unpopular um, on that panel because I got up and said, no, be the woman, be feminine, bring who you are to what you are doing and how you are doing it, because that's what's going to be the game changer. And so I find at a very high level um, not talking about ever, I can't talk about everybody. I can only talk about those that I've coached with that the women in power tend to lose, um, what makes them so wonderful, what, what differentiates them. And I think if they're going to be the leaders of tomorrow, they have to remember who they are and who they want to be. And that is to be themselves. So never mimic what you think you should be just show up as you truly are. And that's what I am. I mean, I have long blonde hair. I look a certain way. I, I mean, I have very strong energy, but I'm always woman. And I know when to speak and I know when not to speak. I know when to show up. I know when not to show up. And that's not a man thing. That's just a lolly thing. So what I would say is if you plan on taking yourself to the edge of greatness, Try to tap into who you can be and be the best of that version. Mm. Well, that reminds me of, a, of a, a top executive woman leader I was working with, and she had been trying to be a man in a man's world and had made it to the top, but she was feeling just so empty. And when she decided to take the risk to show 
just the caring side of her that had always been there and talk about personal things like her dogs and her adopted son. She said it scared the death out of her, but her street cred went through the roof. And it was just something about being real and being herself. I always tell um, all leaders, women and men, that vulnerability is the new strong. Be vulnerable, be transparent, show up with humility, be humble. That goes very far. Well, yes. And, and those messages, it's so great to hear more and more voices uh, chanting that, that message. You work with a lot of people who are, who are needing to make change or want to make behavior change. And so you've worked with a lot of people through that. What have you noticed are some of the biggest challenges to people learning and changing their behavior? So the biggest impact or the biggest challenge, the difference between growing and learning and changing is want. So I could do what I do, but if somebody doesn't want it, nothing will happen. I have found when there's a big want, then things happen at warp speed. And that to me is, I, that's one of the questions I always ask in my coaching, how badly do you want this? And if there's no want to it, we won't get anywhere. And if there's a want, we'll get somewhere fast. Isn't it interesting how when people want something, all of a sudden um, challenges just become obstacles to be figured out instead of excuses or barriers? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> yeah. Very well put. As a, as a keynote speaker and consultant trainer myself, I, I, I'm surprised how often I come into a situation with my own idea about what I think is important or what I think people should know only to be surprised by what others find impactful that I may have never really realized. It might have been the littlest thing I said or some perspective on something. And I'm curious, Lolly, what have others told you that was significant about your message and philosophy that you may not even have realized? Well, my message is very intentional. So I show up with heart, I leave awake with heart, and everything I do is laced with heart. So that means that there's always empathy, there's always compassion, there's always understanding. I allow people to be who they are in their gaps, in their shadows, in their failures. And so I think that the message itself is so powerful on its own that it's significant and it surpasses who I am. It has nothing to do about me. It's more about what they feel the message is. And I've been told over and over again, you're someone I can trust. You're Mm. someone I could speak to. You're someone who gets it. And the truth is, is that I just show up there to serve. And when you come with there to, you know, to show up to be of service to others, no matter what my message is, this goes beyond that. Sounds like you're talking about what it means to be authentic. <laughs> I guess just to be well, just to be yourself and just to be non-judgmental, which is rare because yeah. most people show up and judge. We have biases, we judge, we want to call people out. That's not my job. Mm. I would love your uh, I would love your perspective on this. We we do a lot around this notion of compassion, and we've explored that word. and And the deeper you go into the meaning of the word in the Latin root, the more it, it starts to reveal that compassion is about struggling with somebody, suffering alongside. It's not just that empathy in my heart goes out to you and I want to help you, but it's really about co-struggle and co-suffering. 
I'm curious about your take on, you've used the word compassion a couple of times. I'm curious, where are you at on that and what it means? So when I first started out doing the in my business as a leadership coach, I would find that I would take everybody's problems home with me. And by the end of the day, I had very little energy for myself or for my children. And it was very hard on me. I had to learn what it, what it meant to have compassion, but not get lost in somebody else's story. So, you know, as Freud would say, no, tra- no, transfer- no transference, like listen to understand, bring your heart and your empathy, but don't get lost in their story. And so I had to learn, yes, to have compassion, but not to be, not to drown in someone else's sorrows. And, and it's, it's interesting because I think I'm a very compassionate person, but I try not to hold everything on my shoulders because that's what I tend to do. So I understand your theory of what it means to be compassionate. I think for me right now would have a very hard time because 20 hours a day, all I hear about is crisis and it would, it would drive me crazy. I wouldn't have any time for positivity because I hear so much negativity. So I try to be compassionate, but I try to listen, but not get swallowed up in it. Mm, yeah. Well, as uh, being around this kind of energy, both positive and negative, so much of your day, what are some of the most important boundaries that you have for yourself that keep you healthy? So I have two very important disciplines. The first discipline is in the morning after I read um, and I feel robust and I feel great. And I do this practice of I have a journal that I keep and I write down the things that I am grateful for. Usually I'll write some of the wisdom that I've learned that day or something that I'm grateful for. Thank God it's snowing out. I love the snow. I love the cold weather or the sun is shining or I love my children. Whatever it is, I write down things that I'm grateful for. It puts me in a great mindset as I go through my day. You know, when you're coaching at the level that I'm coaching, there's always crisis. You don't have some, a client says, oh, I had a great day. Um, you know, they, that's not what they tell their coach. They always come with something that I always feel like we're at the edge of something horrible. Yeah. And so, uh, so one of the things is for me to regroup. So before I go to bed, before I close my eyes, I have this practice and this discipline that I say to myself, Lolly, what did you do well today? How did you serve in a beautiful way today? And then I'll think about something that happened during the day. And then I'll say, what can you do better tomorrow? And it's by pivoting about tomorrow that makes me someone that thinks about the future. So I was present all day, but now I'm able to pivot into the future. And tomorrow I will show up better. Tomorrow I'll be more compassionate. Tomorrow I'll be more present. And this little discipline, which I've been doing for a very long time, these two bookends are just wonderful, wonderful rituals for me. Well, I can certainly sense it in how you talk about about what you do and just the clarity and that kind of uh, um, simple confidence that it doesn't have to be too complicated when we focus on the right things. Right. So yeah. for me, you know, uh, for me, right means integrity. For me, right means honesty and respect. So I'm not a big believer in right and wrong, but... There is, there is a way of doing things, and I try to do the things that will bring me the results that I want. I want to show up with people the way I want people to show up with me. Yeah. I lead by example. Yeah. 
Well, speaking of leadership, when you, if you are going to look out to the next 10 years, think about um, where our country, where our world is going, what leadership qualities and values and behaviors do you think our leaders are going to need to have for us to be able to thrive um, as a nation and as a world? What a great question. I I have to be very honest. I I find we're in very scary times. I really believe that we're moving backwards instead of forwards. Um, I would like to see leadership of where the leader has a kind of persona where he or she says, I'm here to serve others. I care about others. I'm here. I would like to see a leadership of integrity and respect. I would like to see a leadership of honesty. I would like to see a leadership that had more heart and, as you call, more compassion. I feel that if we don't see this change, we are going to spiral out of control. We already are. I have. I mean, I know most of the people that I talk to have high anxiety about what's going on. And so we're in very stressful times. We're in frustrating times. And I think more now than ever, the leadership that we need to see needs to be of high ground, needs to come with heart. And I'm calling upon the young people to step up and to get and to step up and get their heads out of their computers and their cell phones and their Snapchats and become leaders with vision and to show us what it's like to lead into the future because we need a change. What we have right now is not going to take us where we want to go. Well, okay, I am curious about your book because I know you've poured a lot into this and it represents a lot for you and you're very excited. Will you tell us about your new book? So my new book is called The Leadership Gap, What Gets Between You and Your Greatness. In this book, there are seven leadership styles, seven leadership archetypes. And what makes this book different is that it doesn't only talk about archetypes, but it talks about their shadows, their gaps. So for every archetype, there is a gap. And knowing the difference allows you to choose in any given moment, will I stand in my greatness or will I stand in my gaps? I wish our presidency knew this book because then they could ask themselves, am I truly leading to greatness or am I leading in the gaps? And it's, it's a proven system. I've had it for over three decades. It's a game changer. It, the great thing about this, it gives you what people really want, not new cars, not new businesses. I mean, it does give you that, but it gives you meaning. It gives you purpose. And because that's true, you feel like you have a very successful life. Wow. So it sounds like you're you're really tapping into your background and some of your influential um, thought leaders and trying to bring something that has uh, make something accessible and valuable and applicable that is is as old as human differences. Absolutely. As I said, you know, this is this is a lot paying homage to Jung and to Viktor Frankl and to Joseph Campbell. I took all of their three brilliance, you know, their wisdom, and I put them together and it works. It really works in a system, in a proven system that have changed lives. Well, that sounds fantastic. That is wonderful. And it's going to be a great, great resource uh, for people. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, Lolly, I'm curious for, for our leaders out there uh, or for our listeners out there, what is something um, peculiar about you that people might not know, but it's an important part of who you are? Hmm. 
What a great question. What is peculiar about me? I don't, <laughs> I don't know if, uh, if I could answer that. Uh, do people know what is peculiar about themselves or people call them peculiar? It's like almost saying, I'm a great person. I don't think I would ever say that. People have to say that about you. Yeah. But um, what is peculiar about me? I don't know. Since talking to me, um, you've had conversations with me. Do you find anything peculiar about me? <laughs> I don't. I don't know that I know you well enough yet. Oh. I just, uh, I just, you just never know. People have little fun glitches and things. And um, uh, like my, I, what's peculiar about me is I'm my face is not symmetrical. So when I look in the mirror, <laughs> it's uh, I, I, I'm fine with what I see. But when my kids look at me in the mirror, they think I look funny. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll share something. I've heard this over the years. So. When people talk to me on the phone, they think I'm like uh, 5'11 or 5'12. They think I'm a very big woman. And when they meet me and I'm only 5'2, they're shocked. Well, I had no, I would not have guessed you're 5'2. I actually probably had the same stereotype. So that is great to learn. Yeah, people think I'm very tall. That's great. That's great. Well, is there uh, is there anything else? We've kind of gone all over the place. Is there anything else you'd really like my listeners to know or it, or that you're passionate about these days that you want to get out there? Besides my book, which I'm really passionate about, I'd like to share something that I think that is important to me. And what's important to me is that I want everybody to realize is that greatness is not a destiny that is only available to a few. I believe that, you know, greatness is available to anyone that wants it and it's available to everyone. And this whole notion that it's good for them, but it's not good for me. They can do it, but I can't do it. Doesn't exist. The moment you make the choice, the moment you said, I will take ownership, I will take responsibility, I will do it, I will create it. That's the moment your life will change. Greatness lies within you, and I want everybody to know that. Oh, what a wonderful message of, of inspiration and hope. Lolly, it has been such a joy talking with you today, and I'm sure your message will inspire my listeners. I know you've given us some powerful lessons and some things to think about and some principles we can go apply right away. So thank you so much for sharing your time, your energy, and your vast experience with us today. Nate, this was fantastic. It was different. It was fun and peculiar. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's our theme for today. (laughs) Maybe. Be sure to visit Lolly's website at lollydaskell.com and follow her on Twitter at lollydaskell. All of her contact information and social media details will be listed in the podcast description, along with a few tweets that you can share with your social network. And a reminder, look for her new book, The Leadership Gap, coming out in May. Thanks for tuning in. If you like the podcast today, will you let others know and share it? And if you have suggestions for a guest, will you let me know? So for now, goodbye, and I hope you have a wonderful day.